second Sunday in this short series we're calling Radical Hospitality, in which we're thinking about uh, that practice that has been and continues to be most central for the life of the people of God, dwelling in stories uh, within Scripture that invite us deeper into uh, our understanding of the nature of who God is and who God has called us to be as a people of, I would say, radical hospitality. And so this morning, uh, that journey takes us to an interesting place, to the book of Leviticus, which you just heard, uh, the reading of Scripture from Leviticus 19. Leviticus. See how I said that? Leviticus. Uh, That book of instructions like Deuteronomy, where you just get a bunch of rules and things, but um, I trust that God will join and meet us here, and that we will go deeper into God's presence and life together. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Let's bow together and give thanks. God, we receive your word, living and and active, ancient words that move through time and meet us here by the power of your spirit so that we might know your presence more fully, so that you might open our minds and you might open our hearts, that we might move in relationship to you and in relationship to each other and to all those around us in ways that beat with your heartbeat, your love, your mercy, your compassion. And so it is our prayer as we hear these words and we sit with them together today, the words that I speak, the words of my mouth, and the meditation of our hearts collectively together will be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in the name of Jesus, the word become flesh. Amen. Gather around, everyone, the whole assembly, the whole congregation of God's people. Gather around. The text begins saying, Moses has something for us to hear. Speak to the congregation, to all the congregation, to the full assembly, it says, to all the people. You know, there used to be a time, I suspect, when gathering a congregation was different than uh, perhaps it is these days. In fact, there used to be a time, we're going to do this little exercise art where we um, reminisce about the good old days. The good old days... Um, when it could be assumed, basically assumed, that the culture at large shared the same values that the church shares, 
and walked in sort of a lockstep and harmony together, it could be assumed, it could be assumed that generally the culture was Christian. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. In 1963, in Greensville, South Carolina, in that little community, William Williman tells the story, the Fox Theater, the local theater in town, decided that it would be open on Sundays. Can you imagine? How many of you remember the Blue Law? Well, yeah, we've got some folks that remember. What you could sell or do on Sunday, it was protected. It was a holy day. It was a set-apart day, Sunday. Boy, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Willeman says that he remembers that Sunday in 1963 when the Fox Theater opened on Sunday and on Sunday night when he was at church, seven of his friends from the youth group snuck out the back door to go see John Wayne at the Fox Theater. And as he looks back on it, he says, the assumptions about that set-apartness changed. Everything changed at that point. And yet here you are. All of you, I'm not sure how many are in the room, 300 plus. Here you are on Sunday carving out a little time to come and be with each other, to be before God, set apart time like this, to hear the words, to tell the story, to say that now perhaps more than ever is the time to discover again this set apartness, this difference, this Allegiance to the kingdom of God over all other kingdoms. This idea of what it means to fully belong to God and to be the people of God set apart. Speak to all the people. And here's what Moses says when he begins to speak to all the people in Leviticus 19. He says, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Live this way, not just in your assembly, your gathering on Sunday, but live this way before the world and in relationship to each other. Live this way, a different life. And then he begins to list all these things. It's a, it's a familiar list, isn't it? Honor your father and your mother. Uh, I like the kids' church video because when that little chime comes up that they play every time, I've noticed every child in the room Whatever they're doing, and they're usually doodling or fidgeting or whatever, like children do, every child in the room, locked in, right? And did you notice the scroll, honor your father and mother? We like to say that to kids. (laughs) It's good for them to hear. It's also good for you to hear when you're 53. Honor your father and your mother. We We know these commands. They're familiar commands. Honor your father and mother. Keep the Sabbath. Do not turn to idols. When you offer a sacrifice, make it acceptable. You're not going through the motions here. These are familiar commands punctuated with the statement, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. You live this way because you are set apart, because God is holy and set apart. None like you, O God. You are a set apart people, and you live this way. And then did you notice there's this little bit that's tucked away And for all our familiarity with the commands, honor your father and mother. Do not bow down to an idol. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's the stuff of the Ten Commandments. 
tucked away in the midst of all of that are these words. Did you catch them? When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. And then, I am the Lord your God. Honor your father and mother. Keep the Sabbath. Do not bow down to idols. I am the Lord your God. Exclamation point. When you reap your harvest, don't reap to the edges of the field. I am the Lord your God. It's this less familiar bit of instruction about the harvest that captures my attention this morning and captures, demands our attention uh, today. Beyond the pious rule keeping, it turns out holiness has to do with how you farm. Isn't that interesting? You can't get much more everyday earthy than that, right? I'd like to think that, and sometimes we do leave the impression that the holiness part, the set apartness, is for when we gather in the assembly like this. And believe me, that is true. We gather here to remember that God is holy, there is none other, and that we are called to be holy too. But as it turns out, this thing spills out from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday, from the buildings where we assemble out into the fields where we farm, whatever farming looks like for you, right? It turns out that holiness is about how you farm. The idea is that when you harvest your field, when you plow your field, don't go all the way to the edge. Leave a little at the margins. The first part, the best part in the harvest, leave it at the edge. And whatever else you may have missed along the way, these are the gleanings, right? So you've cut the field, you've cut down the harvest, and you've gathered it, but you haven't gathered all of it. Don't go back over it a second time to get it all. Leave it. Leave it. And this bit about the harvest of, of, of the field is accompanied by instructions about the vineyards. Man, have we learned a lot in the last 20 years about vineyards in Texas. What is going on with that? I drive sometimes in my travels for work from Johnson City across 290 toward Fredericksburg, and I can't keep up with the number of vineyards. People growing grapes, and here's instructions about not only farming, but about working the vineyard, and the instruction is this, don't strip your vineyard bare. Leave some grapes on the vine. Or if there's some grapes that have fallen to the ground, don't go back and pick them up. Leave them there. Wheat fields and vineyards. And I'm telling you, these things are not ancillary to one's life as if, as I suspect, we kind of have a, a vineyard. We're growing some grapes out here as a hobby. Or, well, I have a little bit of land, so I'm going to grow some crops for fun on the side. That's not what's going on here, right? This work is at the center of their life, their everyday life. Now, when I was in college, uh, finishing uh, my undergraduate degree at Abilene Christian, um, Gaina and I married while we were in college, and uh, my preaching professor connected me to a little congregation just west of Abilene on the way to Sweetwater on I-20 in Trent, Texas. Trent, Texas? And they needed a preacher. They often received students, and they had a parsonage. Parsonage. Oof. Free housing for a young married couple. And so we 
packed up our things from our apartment in Abilene and moved out to Trent and drove in for classes and lived there. And that was the first um, calling for me to preach regularly, week in and week out, to serve that little, little congregation there while I was a student. The Trent, anybody know the mascot for Trent, their little school? Say, did somebody say it? Gorillas, of course. The Trent Gorillas. It was a big controversy because in the, in the couple of years that we were there, because the, the cheerleaders had uh, gotten uniforms that just said Rillas. And so when they cheered, they said, go, Rillas. And they thought that was clever. But the old timers did not think it so clever. So we lived in Trent. We had a house and a field out next to the house, between the house and the church, a small, empty, really large lot. And someone gave us a dog and somebody else gave us chickens. And this is how I learned to do ministry. <laughs> I said, it'd be nice to have a garden. And the next thing I know, Lloyd, one of the church members pulled up with his, he was a farmer, with his tractor and dropped his plow in that big open lot and plowed the whole thing up. And I was thinking a little garden and we grew all kinds of vegetables and we planted okra. And I was so proud. I went over to the church one Wednesday night and told them that I was growing these prize okra that they were this big, and they just laughed at me because, you know, Lloyd was great. Lloyd, the farmer in Trent, Texas, he was kind of a slow-talking, quiet, reserved man, but there were certain times of the year when Lloyd changed because everything for him depended on the harvest. It wasn't a hobby. It was his livelihood. It had been his father's livelihood. It had been his grandfather's livelihood. It would be his children's livelihood. There was a legacy here, and everything depended on the harvest. The harvest was the center of his life, not something ancillary or supplementary. It was the center of his life. So these instructions about how you live holy, set apart to a holy God, talking about farming, and a vineyard are not frivolous. They're about the center of your life and the center of my life and how we live it day in and day out. Don't strip the grapes. Don't reap the field all the way to the edge. And why? Did you notice? Why? Well, he says, leave it there. Leave it there for the poor. In some translations, the alien or stranger, or foreigner. Leave it there, because they may pass by. No, they will pass by, and you should anticipate that, and you should leave it there for them. Leave some around the edges. Leave the gleanings. Do not take all the grapes. Do not go back over again and pick them up. Last Sunday, we started with this first story thinking about the practice of hospitality. This first story in, in Genesis, where Abraham and Sarah are camped out under the oaks at Mamre, and Abraham looks out from the shade of that oak tree, and he sees three strangers approaching, and he rushes to greet them, remember? With exuberance, and he begs them to stay and rest and refresh themselves. Come, take something to drink. Sit for a while. We'll prepare a meal. And he runs in and he tells Sarah. And he runs to his servants to help prepare the meal. And they sit with them. And as they make room for the strangers, they receive the blessing from the strangers. In fact, the story begins by saying 
the Lord appeared to Abraham and Sarah at the great oaks of Mamre. Who appeared? But it's three strangers. It's three strangers, but it's the Lord. It's the Lord, but it's the three strangers. The Lord appeared to them, and they spoke words. God spoke words of blessing over them. Sarah found it unbelievable. She laughed, but it was true. God had come to them in the strangers, in the foreigner, in the alien, in the passerby. Hospitality, we've said, if nothing else, is openness to the stranger who comes along, receiving them, and in our hearts, because the Spirit of God lives within us, receiving them as receiving God Himself. Here this week, amidst all these commands and instructions, don't harvest to the edges. Don't take all the fruit from your vineyard. Don't pass over it again. Why? Because you're holy. And this holy God leaves room at the margins for the stranger, for the poor, for the alien. Right alongside, honor your father and mother. Right alongside, keeping the Sabbath. Right alongside, don't make for yourself idols. Even football teams that win big games over the top-ranked teams. Just saying. Don't make for yourself idols. There's a little more maroon in the room than usual. I like it. Don't make for yourself idols. Right alongside all of those commands, don't reap to the edges. Leave the margin for the alien and the stranger. Why? Because I'm your, I am the Lord your God. In other words, we live this way because this is who God is. Don't forget, this is who God is. He's the God of the edges, the God at the margins. He is the God of the people who have a heart for the margins, for the edges, who are not so consumed with their own well-being. Because I tell you, Lloyd seemed pretty consumed. You've got to get it all because you don't know what's coming next. I'm telling you, the next week, the rest of your crop could be wiped out. And so you better get it while the getting is good. And God says, not you, because you have a heart for those who may wander by on the margins. You see them. You care about them. This is who God is, and this is who you are. And here's the thing. In the Hebrew Bible, it kind of moves in these rhythms, and they have words for this. We get the law, like Leviticus, Deuteronomy. They call it halakha. It's the order, how to, God's people will order their life, halakha the laws and commandments. But did you know that the halakha never appears in the witness of Scripture, in the Torah, the Word of God for the people of God, old and new? Halakha never appears without Haggadah. You know what Haggadah is? It's the story. It's the story. You don't, you don't get the commands without the story. And here's the story. You people were once aliens yourselves. You were abandoned ones with no place, exiled and pushed to the fringes. That's who you were. And God did not forget you when you were out at the margins. God moved toward you at the margins, around the edges. God provided for you and cared for you and loved you and led you when you were at the margins. And so now that you've settled in your own place and have so much, don't forget, don't forget 
that God came to you when you were at the margin. This is who God is, and this is who we are. The truth is that those who settle in the land quickly forget. Those who settle in the land quickly forget. You will forget because we are blessed and we've created a nice life for ourselves. I will forget. The command to leave room at the edges is a gift so that you don't forget. It's not just a gift to those who will come around the edges and you will have provided for by leaving some room. It's a gift to you because otherwise you'll forget that that's who you are. That's who you were. The presence of the poor and the alien and the foreigner. Foreigner. What is that? Foreigner is not burden to you. It is gift to you because to be set apart has to do with how you farm Monday through Friday. Hear the words, the commands, and tell the story. I wonder what our imagination is to leave some room around the edges. What sort of imagination do we have for that? What does it look like beyond a program or a ministry or a strategy, which is a good first step, I suppose, but to a way of being where the other who comes around the edges, is not a burden, but a gift and the means of God's blessing. Participating with God in the work of the redemption of our own souls, you see. Maybe that way of being beyond just keeping the rules, that way of being, that disposition of the heart and of the spirit, maybe that way of being begins with remembering this fundamental truth We too were once aliens and strangers. We too. Separated from God and each other, we were lost and wondering, complaining and grumbling, obstinate and stubborn. That was you and me. Let me say it again. We were lost and wondering, complaining and grumbling, obstinate and stubborn. That was you. And me. And we wandered around the edges, wondering if there was any place for us. If I had time, I would tell more more stories from the pages of Scripture about prophets like Hosea, who represent Israel, who wandered around obstinate and stubborn, and God who looked at them and said, You turned from me and broke my heart. Do we have a sense? that God's heart is broken by us? You turn from me and you broke my heart. And God says in Hosea, Hosea, the writing, God says, I should give you up. I should be done with you. I have turned to you again and again and again, and you have turned from me again and again and again, and I should be done with you. I'm trying to drive this home. God looks at us and says, I have loved you and cared for you and provided for you. And you have turned from me again and again and again and again. And my heart is broken and I can't find even the capacity to shed tears for you anymore. I ought to give you up. I ought to be done with you. But God says, how can I? I cannot. The words are, my heart 
is turned toward you. My heart is turned toward you. And God rushes to the margin to meet us in our brokenness there and leads us back and blesses us with his unconditional love. He pours it out on us again and again and again, and we get comfortable and forget we were there. But for the grace of God, we cannot live as a community of radical hospitality, extravagant grace, unconditional love, unless we remember that we are the stranger and that God is the God around the edges. That when we thought we were desperately forgotten, alone, and hidden, God has never forgotten us. And let me just pause to say here in the end that as you hear these words, you may hear them from different places. Some of you will hear them from the center, sitting comfortably, blessed, maybe lamenting the good old days. You will hear them from the center. And you need to remember, you need to remember the God who came, came to you and comes to you. Others of you are not going to hear them from the center because some of you in the room feel more like you're at the edges. And you need to hear that you are not forgotten and not alone. That when we think we are forgotten and alone and hidden, God has never forgot us. And Lord, have mercy. The people of God have not forgotten you, will not forget you. That when we feel helpless and hopeless, broken and beaten, God hears and knows the desire, the aching, the longing of our hearts and rushes to meet us there. And Lord, have mercy. The people of God rush to meet you there. Remember your story, you, the people of God. Live out of this deep gratitude, a radical hospitality, a radical hospitality. Remember the story. Remember the God who rescues you. Remember the Haggadah and live this way. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, now as your spirit descends upon us and you gather us up and you lead us toward your table, meet us there by your mercy, cover us with your grace, fill us with your compassion, help us to remember and to not forget. And as we gather around this table, help us to make a little room, to leave a little space, to anticipate those who might come up around the edges of our life and your life and draw us more deeply into your love, your unconditional, never-ending, eternal love. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.